hate and the sin that I am super excited to be here. I didn't know I was going to have an orchestra, but they're a little late, I guess. Um, I did graduate in 86, so I went to Northwestern College. So I don't know if you ever heard of that before, but that was quite a while back. Um, I was real excited when Justin gave me a topic for this morning and said for me to talk about something I learned when I was here back in the day. And it took me maybe like two seconds to decide that it was certainly not going to be biology. <laughs> Though I took it, um, I know it wouldn't be that. So some of you who are like biology majors, you right now you're like, oh, seriously? Yeah, it wasn't my deal. I'm sorry. You're just, you're so much smarter than I will ever be, certainly in biology. Um, my husband and I were actually in biology together, and at the end of class, um, our prof would say, you know, if you're interested in doing some little extra work, you know, on the sides, I have tables set up, and there's a microscope, so you can look at extra things, and, you know, I'm like, is there extra credit? He's like, no, and I'm like, well, why would we do that? And he's like, to learn more, and so I'm like, okay, and my husband would always go right over there, and I'm like, it is lunch. It was lunch right after biology. It was just really bad timing for me, so that didn't work really well. But there is a lesson that I learned when I was at Northwestern that I, oh my goodness, I'm getting choked up already, that I have taken with me for the rest of my life. And I am so excited to talk to you about that. Because when I was at Northwestern, I grew and knew and developed and started a deep love for the Word of God. Like, like bread, like food, like nourishment, like this is what I need. And that started when I was here. I grew up in a Christian home. Some of you might be thinking, oh, hadn't she ever heard what the Bible was? Oh my, no, I heard about it. I heard about it over and over and over and over and over again in my family. In fact, my family had this thing and they're like, you know what I think we should do? This is my mom. You know what I think we should do? It would be fun. We're going to all read through the Bible together this year. Just read it through in a year. And then at breakfast, we can talk about things we learn. And then my dad handed out this thing, and we started reading. And everyone that year finished, minus one person in the family. And that was me. And I quit. I quit reading in Leviticus. And... <laughs> I think you guys know the books of the Bible here at the Northwestern St. Paul, yeah? Right. If you don't, let me just give you a heads up. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And you know why I quit? Because it was just gross. Like, I don't even think I should know that stuff. I'm reading going, I don't think God wants me to know about boils and hairs and white spots. I mean, sorry. I don't, sorry, that came out. But it's in Leviticus. So, right? Now, my dad was a doctor, and in this room that was our TV room that my mom wanted to call the library, because we also had books in it, and so in that room, we're like, um, I'm going to go in the TV room for a minute. You mean the library? <laughs> but I mean the TV room, but okay, yeah, I'm going to go to the library and watch TV, so call it what you want. But in this library, we had a shelf that was full of my dad's medical magazines. And when my parents would go away, when we were younger, we would get up in the shelves and we'd pull down, look at lawn mowing injuries. Oh, sick. Oh, look at diseases. Oh, sick. And I remember my mom saying, don't want, look at this stuff, girls. This isn't good for you. 
it'll stick in your mind to never leave. Hence, Leviticus, get it out. So, I decided that it wasn't going to be for me. So I went through junior high. I went through high school. I was around the word a lot. We, I went to church. I went to youth group. Um, and so I heard my mom, you know, just nonstop had things going on in the radio and things she would talk about and stuff. So I grew up around the word, but I didn't love it. And then I came to Northwestern, and I heard somebody talking one day. And I don't even remember if it was like a teacher or if it was in chapel or what it was. And, but they said something. They talked about the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our life when God's Word is evident in our life. And what we need to do is we need to marry the fruit of the Spirit with our life, have the Holy Spirit live this out in us. And the more we're in the Word, the more we're going to know that and understand that. And so I suggest what you do is take one fruit of the Spirit a month, think about it, and then apply it. And there's nine. And they went on, and he went on. And I got back to my room, and it wasn't like I sat under deep conviction when this person was was talking, but I got back to my room, and it was back here, and it stayed there for a minute, and I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like something that would kill me, so maybe I'll try it, and so I sat down, and I remember being in my dorm, sitting on the floor, my roommate wasn't there, my back was up against um, my bed, I took my Bible out, I went back in the concordance, and I started looking up love, and I'm like, okay, I'll focus on love, and I'm like, that's weird. I don't know. I don't feel like that. So I skipped it. And it isn't weird. You know, I, I'm not saying that here. Like, don't write that down. Love is weird. Skip it. I'm, not, I'm saying that day, that moment, that was the fleeting thought, as wrong as it was, that went through my brain. But then I went to joy. And I'm like, oh, that sounds more fun. So I started up looking verses up on joy. And I turned to Psalm, 7, Psalm 51 where David is praying to the Lord and he's dealing with his sin before the Lord. And he's praying and he's confessing and then he asks God something. And in Psalm 51, in verses 12 to 13, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Like, keep me still feeling like that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and then sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach um, transgressors your ways and sinners will turn to you. And I remember reading that, and I remember sitting there, and I remember looking at my Bible and just freezing. And I thought, that's what I want. I remember when I came to Christ when I was five, and I remember when I got to first grade and there was a bully in my class, I knew he needed the Lord Jesus Christ to transform his life. So I stood by him at the glue counter where he would pick on all of us, and I said, you need to stop this. Repeat after me, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Amen. Nailed it. Also, no notes on that. Wrong approach. I don't think it was life transforming. But I remember as a small child knowing it was salvation. Salvation. And there was a joy and there was a fervency. And then it was like second grade and just it all went downhill from there, I guess. But I remember reading the word, being in my room, hearing David say, King David say, King David, who I knew was called a man after God's own heart, say, after his point of sin and distance from the Lord, say, restore to me the joy of being saved by you and keep me in that spot. Sustain within me a willing spirit. And it was as if God's word jumped out at me, and I went, this is what God's word can do. 
It can cut to the deep and can minister to my heart and my soul. I want more of this. And I recognized more what James was talking about. And I want to just talk for a few minutes about James chapter 1. Verses 22 to 25, if you have your Bible and you want to um, read along, if not, just listen. I'll read it first. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like one who looks at their face in the mirror and then after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forget what they look like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James tells us in this passage, with regard to the word of God, what we should not do and what we should do, 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 do. nope, that's not where I was going with that sentence, but James' words tells us, this is what you should not do, and this is what you should do. And let's look first at what it says we are not to do. It says, don't just listen to the word. Don't just listen to it. When do we listen to the word? Sunday mornings, chapel, classes, maybe, whatever, maybe you read your Hobby Lobby plaque on your wall or something. <laughs> you know y'all got a bunch of those. Come on. Graduation gift. <laughs> Wherever it is, you might listen to the word, but if you're just listening to it and you're not doing what it says, you're deceiving yourselves. What? How am I deceiving myself? Because isn't that a good message? What, am I not hearing truth? What is the nature of this deception if when I'm hearing something that's truthful, how could I be deceived by that? Well, we know in Corinthians, from reading Corinthians, that it says knowledge can puff up, right? And love builds up. So we could gain a whole bunch of knowledge about God's word, but not have it impact our life, and because of that, not impact the lives of those that are around us as well. So we just have it here, but we do nothing about it. And we all know people like that. We've seen people like that, and maybe you are like that. I don't know. There was a lady at, um, that I knew um, who, every time there would be scripture read from the front at church, she would mouth along with it because she was kind of proud. She knew a lot of verses by heart. And so they'd be reading, let's say they're reading like John 3.16, you know, or whatever. So the pastor's preaching, and, and they're going, you know, for God to love the world, and she's like, And she wasn't just like looking ahead or looking down because it wasn't mouthing it for her own benefit. She needed to mouth it, mouth it for the benefit of everyone around her to see, gosh, she knows the word so much. Do you see? She mouths along with every single thing the pastor says. You know, so it was just that kind of a knowledge. Or the knowledge, and maybe you've been in this sort of situation where you're in a class and the teacher teaches and he gets done and, and they're ready to go and, and she's like ready to dismiss you all. And they say something like, okay, well, you know, there aren't any questions. Does anyone have any more questions? You know, if not, I'll see you tomorrow. And then that one person. I mean, this is like not so much of a question as it is like a statement. But <laughs> you said tomorrow, I noticed. And do we not all think that God's word tells us not to worry about tomorrow? And I also know other things about tomorrow. You know, and tomorrow, don't make plans because God knows exactly what we're going to do tomorrow. And so I wrote that verse tomorrow. And I just wanted to mention that, so. 
and they expect applause or something, right? We can know the word, we can use the word, and we can be puffed up with our knowledge and say, oh my goodness, I know so much. I know all about the ark. I can tell you how big it was, how wide it was, what it was made of. I can compare it to like cubits and yards and feet and football fields. And you know, you asked me about the ark and Johnny, I am on it, I know it. But then say, you know, well, what did we learn from that story? If we don't learn it, if we don't apply, we're just deceiving ourselves. And James has this great illustration. I mean, it is the word of God. It's like, oh, yeah, thank you. All right, but James's illustration is perfect. And it says, it says, look at this word. Do what it says. Don't deceive yourselves. If you don't, you're like someone who looks at their face in the mirror, gets up, looks at their face, walks away, completely forgot. It isn't just like, oh, shoot, I forgot to comb my hair when I looked at the mirror. Oh, shoot, I forgot to get the spinach out of my tooth. It's not like that kind of forgetting. Like, it's like you totally forgot. You like, you walk away and you're like, oh, my goodness. Man, of course, my hair, who am I? You know, it's like this complete forgetting. That's how stupid or um, bad it would be um, to say, oh boy, okay, 10 more minutes to not say stupid again. All right. But it is, it's ridiculous to look, but that's what it looks like. If we look at God's word and then forget what it says, that's what we're like. But instead, we're told to do something else. And why are we told to do something else? Why is it so important for us to get into God's word? Because God communicates to us through his word. And he wants us, his created, to know what the creator is like. He, the creator, wants the created to know what they're created for. He, the created, wants to interact with us on an individual and a personal level with us in our everyday. That blows our mind, and we find that to be true in Scripture. So we need to look at it. How are we supposed to look at it, God's Word? We know we're supposed to not forget it. We've just been talking about that. We can't just listen to it. We need to do it. And here it says in verse 25, if you take a look at that there, it gives us some more directions for that. We need to look intently, like per with purpose and a plan. You're looking at the Word to learn and to know. And not just to know more so you can mouth more in church or raise your hand, but to know to be informed about who your God is and to receive the fact that as you're reading in 1 John 3, 1, that he lavishes love upon you because this world doesn't always do that. And you don't always wake up in the, in the morning feeling like you are an amazing workmanship created by God himself to do good works that he has planned and prepared for you to do. But God's word can tell us that. It can teach us that. So we need to look intently. It's kind of like if you're preparing for a game and you're watching film, right? <laughs> you didn't see that illustration coming right here. But yeah, if you're going to watch film, if you're going to look intently, it's to see what are you supposed to do. There's one team that's playing tomorrow that I hope is doing that quite a bit in these last couple days, last days. But they look intently. They're not like, the athletes aren't sitting there like on their phone going, oh, what, did someone score? Weird. You know, no, they're looking, how should I adjust with this? What should I do with that? How can I be better informed so that the next time when I'm participating in this exact same scenario, I can do the right thing instead of the wrong thing? How can I learn to be more patient? How can I be kind? How can I love? Whoa, look at how Jesus loved. He loved his enemies. How can I do that? We look intently in God's word with purpose and with plan. And then how do we do it? It says they continue to do this. This isn't like a one-time deal. Like, well, yeah, I read that one, so. Check. 
No, we continue to do it. That's why we talk about the, the, why it's important for us to be in God's word daily. I used to think when I was little that there was like, you must have like a quiet time or something. And partly my mom would say, go have a quiet time. And sometimes she would just say, just go be quiet. <laughs> but I thought that was a verse. Um, my dad actually had a nickname for me growing up, and it was Kiri. My name's Kirsten, but he'd call me Kiri. And he told me that it was Norwegian for quiet, and he was just being snotty and sarcastic. So years later, my husband and I, we got married. We're going to go to Norway on our honeymoon. I'm taking Norwegian classes. I am way too old to not know this. I raise my hand in my Norwegian class and say, um, could you tell me, I can't find where Kiri means quiet. She goes, oh, it doesn't. I'm like, well, no, it does. That's my teacher. She goes, no, it, no, it does not. <laughs> Who <laughs> did not know I was bilingual when I stood up here? But she's like, no, it is not. She had an accent. And I'm like, okay, but it is because my dad said it is because it was my nickname growing up, and then he would always say it, and then he would laugh, and now that I'm saying it, I'm recognizing, no, that is not at all what that meant, and this is just putting me in a little uncomfortable situation. But my mom would say, go be quiet, or go spend time with the Lord, or go and have this quiet time. But there isn't a verse about that. But it says in scripture that we need to look intently into God's word and continue to do that. And the continue that's used there isn't like do it one more time and call it a day. It's you are on a, a, like a treadmill. This is what you do. This is your deal. When you get up, if you're going to live life well, you need to live it according to this. Because the ideas that we have in our own head, not so great. Not so great. We aren't patient on our own. We're not kind on our own. We're not gentle on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to come and infuse us and then inform us through his word how we are called to live. And then it says, not forgetting but doing, which is what he's referred to back again. If you're looking at verse 25 right now, continue to do this. Not forgetting but doing. And then it says you will be blessed in what you do. Now, this isn't like, a, okay, so now I've read it. I've continued to do it. Now God owes me. Not that kind of a blessing. God is not sitting up, you know, with good jar of good things and bad jar and like, oh, they read their Bible, good jar. She did not, bad jar. Stopped by the police for speeding. Oh, no, she did, good jar. He's giving her grace. You know, it's not like that kind of a thing. God doesn't owe us. He's not throwing things at us. But what is he saying? If you live, and this is not rocket science. This is not as hard as biology, guys. Here's what it says in God's word. If you live the way I have created you to live, even though you're in this fallen world while you live it, there is going to be peace. Even in the midst of the storms, even in the midst of the difficulties, because I, the God of the universe, am with you. My presence is beside you. I will lead you. If you trust in me with your whole heart, don't rely on what you think you know. Instead, at every moment, acknowledge the fact that I'm God and you're not. I will direct your path. I will lead you. I will walk beside you, he tells us in his word. I will be your rear guard. I will protect you. This is what he promises us, and that is a blessing to walk through this world that we all have to walk through as we're all here today, but we do so in the power of God's word. And we do so listening to it and obeying it. God tells us in, in, in John 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and when he's talking to them, he's telling them to love one another. He's like, a new command I'm going to give you. It's John 13, 34 and 35. New command I'm going to give you. And they're like, wait, what? It's new. 
No, there's 10. Is this 11? I don't know. Just don't ask questions. We always get in trouble when we ask questions. Just listen. Okay. A new command I give you, love one another. And they're like, old nose, we knew this. This is weird. And then he says, as I have loved you, so you too must love one another. And then what does he say? By this, by the love we have for each other, everyone is going to know that you are following after me. How do we love one another? What does that look like? God's word tells us that. It tells us how to give. It tells us how to share. It tells us how to care for those who are hurting. It tells us how to lay down our lives. How It tells us how to not expect to be served, but instead look for ways to serve other people. Don't just like do it if it happens upon you, but look for ways to serve other people. God's word tells us that. And if we read God's word and do God's word, and we continue to read God's word and do God's word, as we continue to grow in relationship, because remember, it's not just a textbook. It's God's word to us. He, as the creator, sharing with the creation that he loves, that he's laid down his life for, as we continue to live like that, not a surprise that we will be blessed with his presence. Now, I don't know what each one of you are going through, clearly. Honestly, I don't even know what I'm going through half the time. But here's what I do know. That God's word speaks to each one of us with where we're at. Because it is powerful in that way. We read in Psalm 119, which talks about the word of God. It says if we seek out God's word, it will give us freedom. It also tells us things to hasten and not delay to obey God's commands. It tells it it will light our path. And so while I don't know what each one of you are going through, I don't know what I'm going through, here's what I do know. The Lord God not only knows what you're going through, not only loves you while you're going through it, but has given you a gift. And when I showed up at the doors of Northwestern, I didn't see this gift. I see, saw it as an irritation, something that my mom always talked about. Or something to study on Sundays. My prayer for each one of you is that when you're in your classes and your professor opens in a word of prayer, opens with a word from God, that you wouldn't treat it like you would maybe like a birthday card from your aunt when you're six. You know when you get a birthday card and you open it up and first you were like, nope, nothing fell out. And then you read the sentiment and then there's like a tiny little verse printed over here. You know how when you're little you never read that. It's like, oh, whatever, that's a verse. My prayer is that we wouldn't treat the word of God like that when we're in the middle of a class, when they're in the middle of anywhere when you're in your room, but that you would instead take this as life-giving. And Lord, I pray that for each student here. Lord, I pray that again for myself, that I would learn your word, that I would know your word, that I would experience the joy of learning and hearing from you. Thank you for this. Lord, I thank you for the school that taught me this for the very first time, as they gave me opportunity to open the word, and then as I had years of being able to learn from professors and teachers and other people that would come in and talk about the richness of who you are and how you have revealed yourself to us through this word. Lord, I pray blessings on each of these students here. Lord, I pray that the word would come alive to them, that they would recognize that this is living and active, that this can cut to their heart, that this can encourage when they're downtrodden, Lord, that this could lead and guide and direct a path. Or this could inform our behavior and correct a behavior. That it could be used to train us in how to live rightly. Lord, because we love you. 
We love your word. We thank you that your commands you tell us are not burdensome, and we want to show you the love that we have for you by loving what you say, because you are a good God. We love you, Lord. Please bless each one that's here. Bless us as we go from this day, this week. And Lord, I pray blessings upon each one as they continue to study here at this school. In your name we pray. Amen.